Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sound is the Unfiltered Band, which means another episode of Unfiltered. This one, an Unfiltered Saturday live coming at you on the Twitter. If you're there, jump in the bio and subscribe get on the youtube channel and uh, join tell your friends and family about the unfiltered revolution and get on board <clears throat> this is episode number 72 of unfiltered a saturday live edition hadn't planned on doing one felt like kind of putting something out there and talking some sports with you so we'll do it uh, in a live variety today you can hop on board and uh, talk about whatever you want and uh, interact uh, live along the way if you'd like on Twitter as well as we jump on board here and uh, talk some sports. We're going to get into a lot of things here on the show, uh, including kind of you know giving you a heads up on some of the stuff that's going on here at Unfiltered or that has to alert it to your attention. But uh, if you want to jump in on Twitter along the way live, you can uh, just tweet me and I'll uh, happy to uh, respond to uh, or get into anything that you want. I, I wanted to start here. We'll do some baseball. I want to do a little bit of NBA, and I've got uh, some life stuff, too, here to get to uh, before we get through on a Saturday morning. When you sit here at this point in life, first of all, if you're a sports fan, this is one of my favorite times of the year, every year, because if you're a fan and you're involved in all of these sports and you're locked in, I, I mean, now your attention's starting to kind of go in different places. You're a baseball fan, so you're locked in clearly because the postseason is coming up. You're at the end of that run. You're playing those meaningful hopefully, for your team's September games, right? You've got the NBA and the NHL both right here coming around the corner with preseasons and, you know, rookie camps and all sorts of stuff getting underway. You've got, uh, you know, college basketball coming up soon, college football, and of course, uh, you know, right now in full throttle here on a Saturday and the NFL getting into uh, the second NFL Sunday of the season. So it's one of really the great times of year where there's so many different things that, you know, normally as a sports fan, I think one of the great times, uh, great things about this time of year is that you may root for a baseball team that sucks. So they're kind of out of it. And it's like, you know, you're just sitting there and, you know, you're watching, you know, the tight end that wears 87 and he's sitting there playing second base and you're, 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 you're Brian Hayes. And we'll get into that at uh, third base yesterday. If you don't know what I'm referring to, you will. Um, and you've maybe done the, uh, to use uh, my old uh, friends, the one, two, three, uh, uh, Cancun, right. And you're checked out, but you most likely then, or at least have an opportunity, you hope that you root for a team that is in the NFL, that is already kind of, you know, got some hope after week one, going into week two, or perhaps your college football team where you're an alum, or at least at the very least, your NFL, your uh, NHL or your NBA team that you root for, you've got some possibilities this year. So you're jumping in on that and you're, you're full throttle kind of previewing, getting excited with your friends and family about that. So hopefully, you know, you're not in the category of like the, what I've called over the years, not this year, but, uh, you know, the Ets people who, uh, you know, I grew up with in New York, who luckily I'm a giant fan who would sit there and be, you know, especially on Long Island because the Jets, you know, train for so long at Hofstra. There would be a lot of, even though they play in Jersey, there'd be a lot of Jet fans who were Met fans, who were Nets fans, and like, forget it. Not like being a Nick fan was any better because it's worse now. Whoever you root for, hopefully you're locking in at least to one team that has some sort of value. I want to start here on the Major League Baseball side with Albert Pools. If you missed my conversation earlier this week, get at it and hit up the pod and hear the conversation I had with Matt Holiday. And he was talking about Albert Pujols and just that what he called that incomparable confidence level that Albert has 
when everything's on the line and what he witnessed playing with him in scenarios like that. And I think one of the things that's kind of crazy about what Albert Pujols is doing is that he had already kind of written a story that was with some resurgence and enough of it that he could have gone out on his own terms and still said, okay, you know what? The Angels thought I couldn't hack. I couldn't play anymore. No, I got more in the tank, but I went to the Dodgers. I played a role. I was able to finish things off in St. Louis. I got to the all-star game, had the home run derby moments and, you know, it was able to kind of, you know, do it on my own way. Right. Which is where we all kind of want to be. He already had that. Albert Pujols already had that, that before all of this, the last few weeks. But as Jason Stark and I were discussing in, in the pod I did yesterday that I put out and check that one out, this is, is you know, it's, it's almost, you can't say out of nowhere because it's Albert Pujols, but it's almost out of nowhere. It's such a joy to watch this. And what I keep saying that we're forgetting within all of them, we are, is because we're watching the chase for 700 and he's now two away, is that we're going to get October baseball with Albert Pujols. We're going to get, think about across, across the landscape, the, the legend of the game we're going to see in the postseason this year that you know another run with Max Scherzer another run with Justin Verlander we're gonna get one final you know push with Albert Pujols with Yadier Molina and with Adam Wainwright all together still where Molina and Pujols are going to go in together into Cooperstown right five years from now I mean all of that is is just crazy and it's such an amazing story but what Albert is doing it, it is it's one of these things where and I I've said this a lot over the years. We as fans, we're so, so fickle and so weird in so many ways. One of the ways that we are really strange is that we always are comparing at the beginning of somebody's greatness, their greatness to everybody in the past. Then once the greatness becomes an every year thing, if they're really one of the greats, like Mike Trout is and certainly Albert Pujols is, just as an example, right? Two guys who, by the way, mind you, also both played on the Angels and a 98-win team that went home in three days to the Royals a few years ago. But these are guys who they almost, sometimes you get, which doesn't make any sense, like fans get bored by the greatness. So like at some point in the middle of Albert Pujols' first 10 years of his career, which I've said many times is when you think of, of all the things that were going on when he did everything else, the pitcher, Albert Pujols' first 10 years of his career and hit me up on Twitter at Casey Stern. Let me know in, in the comments on the YouTube side if that's where you're watching. I'm curious if you disagree. But I think you got to say this first decade was as good as, as any first 10 years of anybody's major league career on the hitting side. It, it's amazing. Go back and look at the numbers. It's a joke. It's ridiculous how dominant this dude was. But it kind of almost got forgotten. Then he went to the Angels. And when Albert Bulls went to the Angels, you know, first of all, Everybody was getting on him, and I remember being on the air during those times. Everybody getting on him for taking $50 million more. How could you do that? I can't believe he left. He told us he loved us and all of that kind of stuff. And now looking back at it, you know, a lot of that has time heals all wounds, not all, but some. It is, it is worn off, I, clearly. And now in the return to St. Louis, everything is kumbaya and wonderful. But Albert Pools did what a lot of us would have done. He had a $50 million difference in where he was good going and they weren't asking him to go you know uh, clean the ice after after hockey fights for the next you know decade they were asking go hey go play baseball just got to deal with traffic on the five freeway like i think i can do that for 50 million extra dollars right 
Most of us do 50,000 extra dollars. 50 million? Are you kidding? But you get the plantar fasciitis, which is an injury that people just don't understand. Now, I've never had it, but I've talked to NBA players, and it's an NBA injury predominantly, and baseball players who have had it. And the, the amount of pain that it causes and how difficult it is to go out there and go to the post, let's say, right, so to speak, every day. And this guy didn't want to get a lineup. He's telling Mike Sosha, I got to be in there every day. He's telling his teammates, I got to be there for them every day. Well, guess what? You don't get the rest. That's what happens. It's like I was saying to people a few weeks ago. It's like, you know, everybody was championing, you know, Met fans, Frankie Lindor, and saying, wow, you know, Cisco, he's, he's amazing because, you know, Buck said he wanted to sit him down. This was like six weeks ago. Met fans will remember on some day. And Buck said in the presser before the game, he told him he wanted to sit him. And Lindor's like, I want to be out there with my teammates. He got four hits. He had a homer. And then three weeks later, Lindor's being honest and saying, hey, look, you know, it happens in a long season sometimes. We're hitting a wall. And Met fans were jumping on. How could you hit a wall? Like, what the hell? Well, if you wanted to play every day and you love so much he'd be in that way, this is what happens. Well, we love that Albert Pujols was the way he was and is when he wanted to be there every day for his teammates, but the guy could barely walk. And eventually, that was affecting the hell out of him. Then he couldn't hit righties at all, and then you don't know what you got at all, really, in any context. And I'm not saying the Angels handled that well, because I don't think as an organization they did because of the respect that should be shown for who Pujols is and who he was. But for him to write this chapter at the end of his career the way he's doing it is amazing. It's amazing. I, I don't know what else there is to say. And I go back to, you know, we're excited about, and I think we all are, and everyone's rooting for him to get that 700th homer, and I hope he gets it. I, I, I want to play every day. Lefties, righties, or venditties, as I say. I don't care. I want to see him play every day. But he's going to get it. But what we're forgetting about, what then we'll remember, is how amazing is it going to be that we're going to get Pujol set bats in October? Like, how crazy is that? That's amazing. Good for him. National League East, the Mets and the Braves continue to kind of, it's, it's amazing. The fans, for as much as they, for years when I was covering the Red Sox many years ago, I used to say to all my family, which are, you know, not everybody outside of me is a Yankee fan. I, I used to say that, you know, the thing that really I learned that was funny, being around Boston, going to school there, and being in a situation where, I, I learned so much about those fans was how similar those fans are to Yankee fans, even though they don't feel like they are just, just how, how really similar those two groups are. Mets and Braves fans and the Mets and Braves as a team have mirrored each other all year. Mets fans are getting on Braves fans, Braves fans, the trolling Mets fans as well. They should. And I would do it to myself if I wasn't myself. Right. But these teams can't take advantage of the other team when they're slumping or when they're losing to bad teams. Here they are. They both win again yesterday. And now you still have you know, a separation of one in that division. Ozzy Albee is now back, obviously, for the Braves, which is big. Max coming back for the Mets. Marte on the men, those things big. McGill as well. So, you know, we're going to get these teams full throttle as they sit now, what, 13 days away from their big series. And as I've said before, and we'll say again, it's going to come down to those three games. I mean, that's really where, where we're at. There's not going to be enough separation where the Braves can't win all three and jump back in first place. And by the way, with these two teams, who knows after that, in the following three games, they could still debunk, go the other way, but because of a letdown. But I, I think, you know, you're going to have the gap be right within there where those three games are going to matter. So, you know, it's interesting to kind of watch how this plays out. Taiwan Walker, terrific yesterday. McNeil makes a great catch. 
and away you go. Contreras, a big home run for the, the Braves. These two teams are, are so similar. Something I said yesterday that I, I hope both teams understand, and I'm giving you a built-in consolation prize for the team that doesn't win this division. You may be better off, you may, in some weird ways, and I'll give you two of them, winning the wild card from this division and not the East. Now, clearly, you go for it, and you try and win it, and clearly, for the team that wins it, they're going to say, hey, and they'll be right. Look at the importance of winning the division. It means everything, and we avoid the three games, and we get to rest up our guys, and we get to set up our rotation, and you know this is what we fought for all year, yada, yada, yada. The other side's going to say, look, you got to win in a postseason, got to play game sevens. If we're not good enough to go you know, win an extra couple of games, then we don't deserve to even be here anyway, and all they're going to say the right thing. But let me tell you something about matchups and playoff matchups and the importance of it, okay? It's not as important or the same for me as it is sometimes in the NBA, the type of offense against the type of defense or in the NFL, right? For those kind of things, like what style of team are you playing? The NHL even, right? It's not like that. However, knocking off, and this is what the five-game series has done for years for me, all right? And this is point one. Knocking off a great team in seven games is very difficult. And I think for people who don't watch this sport, they say, okay, well, three out of five, four out of seven, really, we're talking about one extra win. Like, you know, what are you, an idiot? Like, how could this really be a big deal? But it is a very big deal. I go back to 2010, the heavily favored Phillies and everything that they had. People remember them in 08 winning and 09 getting there, losing to the Yankees. They don't remember how unbelievable that rotation was. They get there, the Giants, Cody Ross, Scudero, et cetera, knock them off in five games, you're gone. 2019, Washington Nationals faced the Dodger team that was favored, that was better than them, that was supposed to be the team that was going to win it all. And here are the Washington Nationals. But by Max Scherzer, now the Mets and Steven Strasburg and Juan Soto, and they go win game five in LA and you go home. 2015, the, the Mets underdogs to the Dodgers. Jacob DeGrama, rookie at the point, goes in, beats Granky in game five. Murphy hits the home run, and away you go. And they went on the road. Winning in seven games is, is much more difficult. It just is. It extends your bullpen. There's so many things involved that as baseball fans and lifers, we all understand. That's point one, because the Dodgers, the way it sets up now, the wild card in the National League East, right? The one that comes out that uh, now I'm talking about the Phillies, they're going to make it anyway. But the one that barely loses, whoever that's going to be, Braves or Mets. Not saying beating Philadelphia is going to be easy, but the Mets have given Philadelphia fits and the Braves can beat the Phillies. They just did it yesterday and could do it again. Right. We, we know that. Both those teams are better than Philadelphia. And so this, this is not get on the Phillies night. I'm just being honest. It just they are. And then you get the Dodgers in a five-game series instead of being on the other side of that bracket and having a very good chance you're going to run into them in a seven-game series where their depth and all the different things that they throw at you in that lineup and you having to dig deeper into bullpen arms you don't want to use in the middle of that series who can't get bats like you know Betts and Freeman and Turner out, et cetera, and the Turners and the Muncies, and the list goes on and on and on. And in the playoffs, even a Chris Taylor and how many other guys are going to step up is extraordinarily difficult, right? So in five games, way easier to try and knock those guys off. The other part of it is the layoff. And this is something that we're going to talk about in this new postseason format a lot. Yes, the benefit is set up your rotation. Maybe they're, you know, fourth best guy, fifth best guy, whoever, right? Or, or shortened rest guys turned around to face, you know, your dudes who have been waiting, your horses at the front end of the rotation to go pitch. Yeah, I understand that. 
But at the same time, you have to understand that baseball is about momentum. I go back to that thing in Little Giants. Uh, Mr. Momentum is changing his address. In baseball, he's changing his address all the time. Like, he can't get his mail if the address is changing so often. And how many times have we seen sweeps where guys just all of a sudden, they, they, they think, I mean, we're walking on water. We got extra rest. Another team is playing a seven-game series, and they barely, like, you know, made it in on the flight to go to media day. And that team's wiping you off the field because it doesn't matter who's starting. It doesn't matter how tired they are. They've been so locked into that game seven mentality. You're trying to turn that switch again, and you're down 2-0 in a series before you know it, even at home. Home and road didn't matter to Madison Bumgarner in Kansas City pitching best pitching performance in a postseason I've ever witnessed in person. And, you know, those kind of things. I mean, look, your bats go cold. You know, you, all the momentum is slowed down. And that wasn't a layoff situation. But I'm just saying in general, those things, there's a reason why you think about the year. I remember in 07 when the Rockies won what 22 in 23 days or whatever it was. And, you know, uh, my guy, Matt Holiday with the slide. With touch home or not, doesn't matter at this point. They get in, and you know, all of a sudden, there they are, and they're facing the Phillies, and no problem, right? Kaz Matsui, I still remember the Grand Slam, and was a I think off Kyle Loesch. But then they got, you know, after all that momentum, eventually it slowed down. They got hit with a layoff. And, you know, I remember talking to Spilly when we worked together over the years, but I've talked to other people on that team who truly believe, I don't know if we would have beaten the Red Sox, but a big part of what happened was. We had to sit there and wait when they swept was at the Diamondbacks. You got to sit there and wait. That's hard. So how's the layoff going to affect you? So as much as you go for the division, and clearly I'm not saying don't try and win it. I'm not saying it can't be advantageous to you. I actually think in this specific situation, when you take the layoff of the new format and the Dodgers in five versus seven, it's very possible we may look back at it and the wild card winner in the National League East is representing the National League and not the team that wins that division. It's very possible. So, you know, while both kind of fan bases go crazy about fighting for the division, these are things to, to pay attention to and to remember. I wanted to bring this up. I mentioned Cabrian Hayes about the, the Met game yesterday. I didn't see this live when it happened, and I caught it this morning. And great job by Todd Zeal on SNY in, in noticing this or, or whoever in the production truck noticed this. But if you go on my Twitter after this or if you're you know, listening on the podcast, Apple, Spotify or watching on YouTube right now and it's not you know, Saturday morning, go back in my Twitter and scroll through and you'll see that I posted the video of this. Now, I had the pleasure of the last two years that I was with SiriusXM having Derek Shelton as a weekly guest. He's a terrific dude. I, lo I, I love this guy as a person. I love his makeup, his attitude. I mean, he really is. He's he's. He's the kind of guy you, you want to go, you know, you know, run through for and all that other kind of stuff. He's got a great attitude. And Cabrian Hayes, obviously, I mean, we're talking about you, know, the pedigree with Charlie and all that stuff. An unbelievable talent. One moment is not going to define a life, but one moment could be the defining lesson that you get in a life or a career. And when this gets brought to his attention at some point, and this will get brought to his attention if you're Cabrian Hayes at some point here in the next couple of days when, uh, you know, he realizes that this video is out there and he got caught doing this, if nobody saw it on the field, they're going to see it. I think it's it's going to be really powerful for him because if you watch the video, and I'm looking at it now, you've got Escobar coming home from third base, and as he's passing, and Joey Cora is waving in, Eduardo Escobar, he passes by Cabrian Hayes, right? Who is 
sort of kind of watching things, not active. I mean, the things you'd say to your kids, forget about being a professional in life, like, you know, you know, one, two, you know, one, two ready. Like, you know, where are you in this play? Who are you backing up? Where are you supposed to be for coverage? Where are you on the cutoff? Like, what is your job here? Right. Not only is he standing still, but he and watch the video afterwards. He literally he has his glove off. He's holding it. He's not even on his hand. He reaches into his pocket as Escobar is passing. I don't think I've ever seen that before in the middle of a play. Now, a guy doing it or an eight-year-old doing it before a pitch, yes, right? A guy doing it when, you know, he should be paying attention because the rest of the team's having a mound meeting and he's not there, you know, things like that. While a guy is rounding, literally Escobar is passing him uh, by third base, Brian Hayes is reaching into his pocket and he's eating sunflower seeds in the middle of the play. Sorry, you sit a game for me for that. He's not playing today for me. And I like Derek Shelton. I don't know what they'll do when they see that. He's not playing for me. Not today. He's a great player. He'll learn a lesson. I'm not saying he's a, I've heard he's a great kid. Like all these things are, again, but in a moment, you got to have like a, it's a teaching moment. You can be that way. You know why? Because the rest of the team who doesn't have his talent, the rest of the team is not going to get treated the way that he gets treated because they don't have his talent. The rest of the guys who are trying to get jobs who are busting their ass for a team that sucks and doing the best they can not to just play out the string, one, two, Cancun, go book their trip to the Bahamas or whatever on September 17th. Those people, right, they can't see you except that. You can't accept that. Now, I don't think they saw it during the game because on that play, like he should have been, the rest of the team is probably paying attention to everything else that's going on in the play and where they're supposed to be. But they're going to see it now. You sitting today for me. No chance. No chance. You're not going to get a pinch hit. I don't care. Base is loaded. I got to throw up a pitcher. No chance. No way. For a team that is, is garbage, isn't doing anything, it, it's that fight that you want. It's the way, you know, look, and, I'll, I'll give, and I'm not trying to make this about Derek Shelton because I do really like him. But give an example about a situation that shows you the way that things are supposed to be handled. Go watch the way that the Diamondbacks played a couple of years ago when Tori Lovello was there with that team, and they went through like a 3-33 and stretch, I think it was, maybe in the second half. They were so bad. They were only a year off of where they had spent six weeks in first place, and you know everybody was thinking about them taking next steps, and they had all the injuries. They were playing a bunch of guys. Martin, there's so many guys out. They were playing a bunch of guys that nobody ever heard of. I'm not saying there weren't excuses outside of David Peralta who was in the lineup at the time. But they were like three and 33. They were so far out of it. And this team was busting their ass every single day and making each other proud for how much they were being held accountable. You got to hold Cabrian Hayes accountable. You cannot have that. That can't happen. That's unacceptable. That is complete garbage like that. That is one of those. You got to treat him like you would treat somebody who who wasn't. You know, now I'm saying outside of Reynolds now, but in terms of like young future, you made the best player on the team, right? He, he's your guy that you're kind of you know, no offense to O'Neill Cruz, right? Were he in that mix, wherever you want to put it, and I love O'Neill Cruz, but you can't allow that to happen. I mean, you can't be in sunflower seeds in the middle of a play as a runner in the middle of a live play going by you to go score. Like, are you kidding? You can't be doing that, man. You just, that is, that's some garbage. Hot garbage. Uh, Astros, a uh, lot of hot, not much garbage. Uh, they clinched yesterday, and a lot of people are forgetting in the American League, 
about the Astros because they, to circle back to the beginning of this conversation when I mentioned Pujols and talked about Trout, the Astros now are kind of that boring team that they're just, but they're so good. They're they're just like every day we expect. I mean, look, Framber Valdez, right? I mean, we just expect them to they're, they 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 play in every day the way he'd been pitching in terms of we're just. We're giving you quality every single day. Bake's got that team going. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of pitching. Obviously, Jordan is a is a monster. You've got all the the experience with the Bregmans and the Altuves and 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 those guys. And the Astros are going to be very very dangerous. The National League is a little bit more wide open because I think as 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 high end as the teams are, and if you're power ranking the top four teams in the game, the Astros are in there, and the other three in some order are clearly the Dodgers, Mets, and Braves. I mean, that's clearly the top four with the sometimes Yankees. It's the AEIOU, sometimes why I've been saying, you know, Dodgers, you know, Astros, Mets, Braves, sometimes Yankees, right? And and would not discounting or trying to get on or disrespect the Mariners or the Cardinals or the other teams who are right there outside the Jays, who maybe the next three kind of right outside that mix, right? But who in the American League is going to really test the Astros and be the biggest test for them and the biggest deterrent to them getting to a World Series? I'm curious. Tweet me at Casey Stern. Jump in if you're getting this uh, late and not on the live version. Hit me up either in the comments on YouTube or, or write me a note on uh, Twitter. I'm, I'm curious. If you're rooting for the Jays, do you believe it's you? If you're rooting for the Yankees, if you're rooting for the Seattle Mariners, are you really believing it if you're rooting at I love Tito? The Guardians and the I said yesterday, um, my guy Scott Merkin, who covers the White Sox, does a great job. MLB.com had something out yesterday, a tweet about the division, and and the way I put it was the AL Central invented the "It's not you, it's me" like the Seinfeld thing because right now it's like you know I don't want it, you take it. I mean honestly, I, I don't even yeah, whose fault it is. Well, I'm not that good. It's not that you were that great, and I don't know you're not really charging. I'm allowing you back in. Like I can't even believe that like the Twins are even a thing. The White Sox are even a thing. The Guardians probably should have put this away. But, you know, they, they've got a little bit of a little engine that could kind of think about them. I love the way they play. I love the story. I love all of that. But we're back patting them. I'm doing it right now because they can't beat Houston, right? I'm saying it. I think Toronto's the most dangerous team in that group. I do. But I'm curious your take. Who really kind of has a chance to knock off the Astros? And congrats to them on clinching uh, for Houston, who got that done yesterday. Wanted to touch on just one NBA thing specifically, and then I want to get into uh, something of the life variety and much more important before we get done here. Russell Westbrook. You know, I kind of feel bad for Russell Westbrook. I do, in some ways. And I'll explain why. This dude's got so much talent. Now, look, in sitting there and covering the NBA during, you know, some of the years that Russell, you know, was having great, outputs from a standpoint of statistically, but then would be the last guy you'd want with the ball in his hands in a big spot where you're sitting there begging, please allow him to give it to Paul George or whoever the teammates would have been at the time, because it's like, really? Like, I don't understand. Like, why do you think you have to have the ball at the end of the game? You can't shoot. You know, you should drive to the basket and get fouled and that you could do every time, but sometimes you don't or, you know, and you're, you're not allowing what the defense is doing when they're going after you and then dishing it off and being unselfish, you know, he would in those spots have those selfish moments. But I remember, you know, sitting there when you know he was accepting the at the award show after all the triple doubles and listening to his teammates talk about him. And so many of them over his career have liked him. 
And I, that's where I go to. It's not like what it means, like what we see, right? It's, it's, it's what seems to be real in real life for, for these guys who are there with these players. It's okay to be brash. It's okay to, you know, be bold and be arrogant. There's a lot of that that comes with success in the NBA. Russell Westbrook has kind of been muted in terms of the way he's allowed to play. He's so crossed and caught up between trying to be Russ, which is kind of unabashed and, you know, explosive and just do your thing. And, and look, what am I, one of the most, one of the, the great, great talents of all time. Sorry. Yeah. He, he had teammates that let him get some rebounds he shouldn't have gotten and some triple doubles he shouldn't have had. But does that mean that watching this guy coast to coast and the kind of things that he could do go to the basket are, are things everybody can do with his size and ability? No. It, it, this guy is still, you know, no, he's not Kevin Durant, but you don't have to be. It's like the idea that like the Hall of Fame in baseball is diluted because everybody's not Ted Williams. That's not true. You don't, you, no, he's not Kevin Durant, but Russell Westbrook's Russell Westbrook. But lately, he's not even Russ. He's like, the confidence level is down. He's he's he feels like he's got to acquiesce to other people too often, right? So a lot of that I, I think has put him in a spot where he's not even he's not even the same guy anymore. He's not. It's not the same dude. And for me, I think you know clearly he needs a change of scenery. But when you think about the situation now with the Lakers, it's like they're trying to trade him because. Of the contract more than anything else they're trying to you know, here's a guy who doesn't want to get bought out and make that statement about his career right and then even though he'd have a choice to go so he just doesn't once you do that then you're that dude he don't want to be in that category so, so where are you going to trade him nobody wants to take on the money nobody you know, sees a fit because nobody even knows what version of russ this is and how it fits into what they want to do and it's been tried and attempted so many different places now you, you bring in schroeder you, you're, you're still trying to make you know three team four Four-team deals, the Lakers being as creative as they can. But what if you, quote-unquote, get stuck with Russell Westbrook? Well, here's the thing, and here's where I don't feel bad for. You know what? I don't feel bad for the Lakers. I don't feel bad for the Lakers. You know why? Because when you got Russell Westbrook, he was Russell Westbrook. Like, you can't, like, you know, invite somebody to stay in your house, right, who's, like, your track record as a friend is being, like, a, a total mess and then you complain when you bring him in to be your roommate that he's got a pigsty in the room. Like you can't, you can't do that. You can't go get Russell Westbrook and then expect him to go be some like you know, quiet choir boy when he gets into your team and to just fit in perfectly because you knew the pieces you had. You knew who Russell Westbrook was and you knew it was going to be tough to fit. It's like, you know, the Nets, you can't complain when you get Kyrie is like, you know, with his philosophies and everything else and what a pain in the ass he is. Like you can't, complain about that you brought that in there you know what he was you know who Kyrie is it's like what are you gonna do now like pretend you didn't oh well we're very surprised no not surprised by anything that guy does I don't care how great his ball handling skills are he's not a winner facts not facts facts here's another fact that I wanted to close here here on a Saturday live edition of unfiltered uh and remember just to, as a reminder and i'm gonna reference one now in this little life piece that i'm doing and explain you know something important that happened yesterday but a bunch of episodes this week uh, i had uh, steve phillips on uh, some of the rule changes great conversation with jason stark about that and if you missed his piece in the athletic or didn't hear a conversation about the the mystery of the infield dirt as a baseball fan you do nothing else right now don't even listen to the rest of this right 
now and go right now and listen to that, then come back and finish this conversation. Jason Stark is up. Uh, Isles fans, that's the true to my heart. And I was so excited to do this yesterday. I'm so thankful that he did it with me. But Brendan Burke, the voice of the Isles, he's just fantastic. Um, I've been uh, you know, chatting with him over the years, talking about kind of you know, um, you know, getting a chance to get up there at UBS and see those guys. I haven't yet, but I'm so happy that he was able to come on to the podcast and we chatted and talked Islanders, previewed the season. Had fun with that yesterday. Um, Buck Martinez this week. And so happy to see my, my dude uh, healthy and enjoying the sport that he loves. There's a lot of other great conversations. I had Jim Duquette this week, Matt Holiday, a Spilly, a bunch of different guys. Get on and listen to all of those conversations. But I had one yesterday with, uh, and I'm wearing the shirt today, uh, the hat, conversation with Howie Rose yesterday, Voice of the Mets. And we talked about a number of things, including coming up on the date of the anniversary of September 21st, 2001, and the Piazza you know, highlight in that game and, and that moment, which I've discussed in the pod before. We talked about a lot of things with the Mets this year, including Mets Twitter, had a lot of fun with that. But I want to end here with something we discussed yesterday at the front of our conversation when Howie and I got together. And that is the sad passing yesterday of, of John Stearns at uh, 71. The, the piece of that that I wanted, and we, Howie and I talk about it a lot in the pod, so I'll leave that there. But I want to talk about one specific thing here. This guy knew the writing was on the wall. He was not healthy. His son was even trying to convince him not to go to Old Timer's Day. But he went to Old Timer's Day and went and was part of those festivities. It's part of all of that. Because he wanted to be a part of that one last time. He wanted to be around his friends, his, his baseball family, see those guys be part of those moments, even got down to first base and was coaching first base. You could tell his health wasn't good, but now seeing, you know, what happened here with his, his sad passing, just what, is it a month even later? It's less than that probably. You get why he pushed and wanted to do that and that moment. And, you know, we've got reminders all the time of what's important, people. You know, we're in a September where we just, you know, past September 11th. I just mentioned September 21st. Those are reminders. Berto Clemente Day just happened. Reminders. Reminders about the kind of person you should be when you're on the earth. Reminder about how short life is. Reminder about how precious of a gift it is. And that's something that I have discounted at times in my life, just like all of you. It's a Thursday or something's going on and you're like, you know, I don't want to deal with this, shit, right? And I got you know, problems with people, you, you know, you, you don't like so-and-so in your office, in your family, in your, 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 your roommates, your dorm mate, in your college, your high school class, your teacher, whatever, whatever age you are, we all got that. But the message is that this guy was, he knew. A lot of us don't know when it's time. He knew. And made a point to do something that was important for him for the people he cared about and for the things he wanted his life to be about to have that last moment. A lot of us don't do that because we don't know when the time is. A lot of us don't do that because we think, ah, I'm Teflon, I got, I got time, I'm 27, I'm, no matter what age. I'm about to be 44. We're all that way. Ah, but I got to worry about like next month I got this and this month, you know, trying to do that. And we're all like long term. And we, and we forget 
that we don't know when that is going to happen. So we can't we can't do that. It's not the bucket list with a month to go. It's it's just a bucket list or whatever that just sits out there. But most of all, what we don't do is we don't spend our time like it could be the last of our time. We don't spend those moments telling people that we, we care about that we care about them, showing them, being there for people in the ways that we should be, saying the things that you never said, doing the right things you should have done a long time ago, all of those laundry list of things for whoever it may be. Because it's like that song says, it's all till you can't. But he knew that he was getting towards that till you can't. And was able to have those moments on Old Timers Day. And I, I just think it's, you know, it's it's terrible to, to see that he grew ill and 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 passed. And for if obviously thoughts with his family and all of that, Mets family, everything else. But how how cool and and you know uplifting in a way to see that he was able to have that moment. We don't realize that moment's now for all of us. Every day, every time. Treat it that way. With the people that you really believe in and care about. Talk is cheap. Much love to everybody. Unfiltered, episode 72, in the books. We will see you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.